0: Yes,
1: Phil Walsh's Revolution was on show for the first time as the NAP Challenge kicked off for 2015. Join Peter Jay, Nikki News, Specious Argument, Red Mist, WFL and Phoenix as we give you all the AFL news, chat about our first look at Phil's new crows, plus a massive exclusive interview taking us behind the scenes of last week's AGM. You thought last week's show was big? Well, strap yourselves in. This is Crowcast.
2: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Adelaide Big Footy Board Procast. Yes, we've survived for another week, and we're into week two of our show for 2015. And we've got, I think, around about eight people listening, so we thought we'd, uh, we'd give it another go. So tonight we've got a uh, quite an interesting show for you. We've of course got the uh, regular panelists, and we've got Nikki giving her Nikki's news from around the AFL. We've got a review of the big game at Port Lincoln on Sunday with the Adelaide Crows playing the Kangaroos, and don't miss it. We have got an excellent interview coming up for you from none other than the 19th Dan Dan Kiley, who yes. ran for the board, gave a, a, a fantastic interview. So make sure you uh, you stay tuned for that. So without further ado, I'll do the uh, Tony Barber of a century, go checking everybody's buzzer and see if we're all in tonight. First of all, first cap off the rank, we've got Specious Argument, the creator of this show. How are you tonight, Specious? I'm
3: doing well, thanks, Pete. We've um, got a lot of smart minds on the uh, on the Crows board, so if we can get anyone on the podcast one day, that'll be awesome.
2: And we've got the man who uh, likes my likes, and uh, so I like him a lot, he's uh, Red Mist. How are you tonight, Red? Uh, I'm great, thank you, Peter. Um, just uh, great to be here and looking forward to talking about the... Um game on the weekend, and uh, a few other things. Good stuff, mate. Our techie, of course, Phoenix 67, the man with the uh, the deep voice around his ankles. How are you, mate? <laughs> How you going? Yeah, sounds good. And uh, the master of the two-line post WFL. How are you tonight, mate? I'm great, Pete. How are you, mate? Very well. And last but not least, the I think we can actually now call her the doyen of the Adelaide Big Footy Board. Of course, I speak of Nikki New. How are you tonight, Nikki?
4: Oh, you're making me blush now.
2: Well, you know the uh, the feedback was uh, was massively popular for you, and uh, rightly so as well, because you did a, a really terrific job last week. So great to have you back on board this week.
4: It was very hard though, because one of them I really wanted to re- reply with, "Thanks, Mum."
2: Good stuff. Um, all right. Look, without further ado, we'll uh, we'll chuck into the show now, and I think uh, top of the uh, the running list tonight will be news from around the AFL, and of course, it's Nikki with Nikki's
1: news.
4: First off, I've got some corrections to give some for information I gave last week. Um, ben McDevitt, who's the CEO of Asada, was before the Senate Estimates Committee on Wednesday night, and he let some information out that we weren't aware of. So, um, the 34 players are actually up against a it's a two-year penalty, um, which we didn't know exactly what it was before. Um, the other thing that we found out was that. Stephen Dank has been charged with trafficking, which we didn't know that before. And then I also talked about what happens if ASADA were going to appeal. Now, he was asked at the Senate committee, um, and he was very careful to respond that this is a hypothetical, but if ASADA are not happy with the penalty that is given, if they are found guilty, they can appeal. And I did say that last week, but what I didn't know was that their appeal will go back to the AFL drug tribunal. WADA can also still appeal, but their appeal will go to CAS. So that's some some new information we didn't know. Um, but thankfully, the NAB Challenge started. So we have some things to talk about other than Essendon. Um, I've unofficially dubbed the NAB Challenge the um, You're Wearing the Wrong Top um, competition competition. Mainly because most of the games I've spent, I've forgotten how long ago it was that players were traded and you see a player in a new team going, you're not supposed to be wearing that top, you're supposed to be playing for somebody else. So that's been a little confusing, but I have to say I haven't been impressed with most of what I've seen. There's been just skill, skill errors galore and Hawthorne were particularly bad. They made Collingwood look really good. And unfortunately, the things have happened that we didn't want to see happened. We've had some ACLs for Mackenzie from the West Coast and Libratore from um the western bulldogs.
3: don't forget, don't forget Christian Petrarca.
4: Yes, I forgot him last week. I, bad me. How can I forget the um number one draft pick that's out for the entire season with a knee injury? There's also another person who's done their knee that we don't really like to talk about unfortunately, because he's not going to miss the whole season. He's only going to miss three to four weeks. He's hurt his right knee, and I saw a report that it was the tibular-fibular joint injury for Kurt Tippett. Um, he's still okay for round one, apparently.
2: Nikki, I don't know if you heard on the radio this morning, it was quite interesting on the um, the Triple M Breakfast Show, they gave out statistics on knee injuries in the pre-season. Interestingly enough, uh, it was the, it's the case that um, around about 40% of uh, ACLs are done in the pre-season, going up to seventy percent done by round six. I thought that was an amazing statistic.
3: Has that got to do with the ground still being hard from cricket season, or uh, uh, you know through summer, or or is there another another factor attributed to it?
4: I wonder if there's a the lift in intensity as well between training and playing. And the body's not quite used to it yet.
1: Rue certainly um, seemed to indicate that he thought it was the hard ground. Yeah, plus a bit of workload as well, I think. Uh...
4: Yeah, it's definitely something we don't want to see at this time of year. Um, for West Coast, I think that really has killed their season. Liberatore from Western Bulldogs, I don't think they were even going to push up anyhow. I mean, its he's a great little player, so its it's really not good for their future. But I don't think... That's really going to damage their chances because I don't think they had any chance really this season.
2: I think I think it's going to be a long year for Bulldog supporters.
4: Well and truly,
2: they um, have lost an extraordinary amount of talent. Really, they've they've lost Griffin, they've lost Libertory, they've lost Cooney. Um, it, you know, it's a really. Uh, I think they're a team that will certainly um, shouldn't trouble us, and they should be one of those sides that we uh, that we should uh, should be putting the W in. I know that we should never really get too far ahead of ourselves, but. They are in a world of hurt, I think, this year. Although they have got a lot of good young talent, but I think uh, they've just lost too much experience now to uh, be any sort of a threat this year.
4: Yes, the experience that they need that they they do have that good young talent. So I think they're going to have some really good run ons during games where that young talent is going to show through, but they won't be able to sustain it for the four quarters. But the other thing, the other news that's come in is that. Um, Davis and Dawson have both signed on with their teams. I don't think anybody was really interested in Zach Dawson. Um, but Davis was the interesting one because of the former link with us, but he signed on for for two years. And I think the biggest news of all is that the lowering of the food prices at the MCG is probably the thing that most people are going to be interested in.
2: Oh, I'm re- I'm glad you mentioned that one, Nikki, because that is a, that is a big one. And if anybody here... Um, Darren Chandler over the last couple of days trying to defend his position both on the uh, the double A breakfast show this morning and also this afternoon it was just dreadful. A pie and coke is under ten dollars at the MCG whereas a chicken burger and a bottle of water is sixteen fifty at Adelaide Oval.
4: Oh, it's shocking prices at Adelaide Oval.
2: Uh, it's an it's an absolute disgrace I think and um, the interesting thing will be is that they're now talking about the fact that Eddie had. Uh, will also drop their prices. And so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if there's a domino effect and uh, some some pressure is brought to bear um, on, the, uh, uh, on, the, on the SMA.
3: Look, living, living over here in, in Victoria, the, the impression I'm getting with regard to Etihad is what they've said is, is look, we're going to discuss it and we'll get back to you. I, I think what they're trying to do is deferring the questions and hoping that people forget about it. I'm not getting the impression that it's something that they're going to leap to.
1: I heard a rumour actually about Eddie Head that um, the ownership uh, issue with the AFL taking ownership of Eddie Head is going to be brought forward and it might be in AFL hands within the next 12 months.
4: I heard that exact same rumour and I do believe it was Dwayne who was um, pushing that one.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. The other thing about Eddie Head as well is obviously this current interesting little political battle with the Soccer Federation about their grand final.
4: I haven't heard about that one, do tell.
1: Well, essentially um, Melbourne Victory look like they they may be in a position to host the soccer grand final and um, they want to play it at Etihad because it holds 50 rather than the 20 or whatever at Amy Park. So it'll be interesting to see whether the AFL reschedule the Bulldogs-Frio game, I think it is, um, scheduled for that weekend um, to accommodate uh, a rival code.
3: Yeah, correct. It's it's uh, the Bulldogs-Fremantle game on the Sunday. I don't know that there's a game there on Saturday, though, so if they're going to move it, it doesn't seem too complicated.
4: And they could actually send that game to Amy Park because they wouldn't even get 20,000, you'd think.
2: And, <laughs> folks, speaking of poor scheduling, a little bit closer to home, obviously, the and this is obviously particular to Adelaide and not necessarily around the AFL, but just uh, mentioning the nitro monster trucks that are coming to Adelaide and will be on the Thursday before Easter Sunday, preventing us from having a run on the ground. What do we think about that?
4: I mean, I, I actually loved watching the the trucks on, at Clipsal, but I don't want them tearing up our stadium.
2: Interestingly enough, I heard from, um, uh, now it might have been, I'm not sure if I read it on the board or heard it on the radio, but apparently Newcastle Jets had their, uh, their ground invaded by the monster trucks. And, of course, they completely um, decimated the ground and uh, ended up having to play uh, their games on an alternative ground for two weeks.
1: I'm actually shocked that that they'd put that on Adelaide Oval, actually. There's other venues like Wayville or even Amy Stadium that they could do that and not have such a big impact. Why would you have it at Adelaide Oval?
4: Yeah, they've had it at Wayville before and I would have thought that's a better option for them. And particularly for where they need to store, like to store the trucks and bring them in and out.
3: When you said it was going to be the Adelaide Oval, I thought you were joking. That's that's ridiculous. So that that is a ground that has not been allowed, allowed to have a football on it for how many years because of the the condition of the ground and the, the damage the football would do. And they're going to put monster trucks on it. it I.
2: I
4: honestly thought you were joking. Or is it the SMB know they're not going to get money um, because of the new deal that's um, being brokered, so they're trying to get as much money as they can?
2: Well, yeah, it's almost as silly as a Shield grand final possibly having to be moved because there was a Rolling Stones concert. Anyway, that never happened, but uh, there was always the potential for that to happen. And so I guess that's the kind of uh, world we have to live in now that uh, we've got this uh, this, uh, great new stadium that needs to be paid for. All right. Thanks very much, Nikki. Brilliant, as always, giving us uh, some uh, plenty of uh, discussion points from uh, around the AFL. Appreciate your, your research there. And as we mentioned at the top of the program, we've got a very, very special guest for us this evening uh, to the podcast or the Crowcast. We have uh, 19th Dan, the man who um, identified himself as 19th Dan on the board. Of course, I speak of Dan Kiley, who ran for the board in the recent AGM at the, uh, the Adelaide Football Club. Uh, Good evening, Dan. How are you this evening?
0: I'm very well. Thank you very much for having me on, guys.
2: Thanks very much for joining us. And um, first of all, perhaps you could just give us a little bit of the background. Um, I I assume that uh, given that it seemed like it was a mandatory qualification that you uh, were a former AFL player, that you've obviously got some kind of AFL experience. Um, Otherwise, um, you know, you would think that uh, they just wouldn't have even considered you.
0: (laughs) I uh, I have very little in the way of physical uh, sporting ability. And so, therefore, live vicariously through the Adelaide Football Club and various other sporting teams, and uh, thought this might be my opportunity to be able to offer something to the club aside from physical prowess.
2: No, absolutely, mate. I think that most of us are like that, and um, obviously, just being facetious, but uh, your credentials seem very, very impressive, and uh, we, uh, I think, a lot of them uh, people on the board were right behind you. But um, perhaps you could just give us a little bit of a. Uh background about, uh, about your experience and um, and how you came to making your application.
0: Yeah, uh, so I'm 27. I uh, studied uh, law and computer science and I've been working for about four and a half years as a commercial lawyer specialising in uh, intellectual property and trade practices and privacy law and, and things like that. Uh, also Run on the side a very small uh, software company doing some iPhone app development and things like that. But yeah, I, I think you know more importantly, uh, I've been a, a you know member for I think I worked out this will be my seventeenth season uh, as a crows member. Uh, you know, you get along every week.
3: If I could jump in there, Dan, I, I noticed when in your your introduction on on the board, you mentioned that you you wanted to. Approach approach being a board member as a way to get a voice out to more of the supporters. Could you elaborate on that a little bit for us?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's both ways. It's not just a voice out to the supporters. It's a supporter voice in. I I don't know that I can ever or anyone can ever possibly claim to speak on behalf of you know fifty plus thousand members. Uh, with one unified, consistent voice, and I, I tried to be very careful never to say that I was going to represent the views of every single member, but um, when you look at the board at the moment, uh, well, before and after the election, we've got on there a handful of experienced business people who are very important for running a AFL club these days where obviously uh, the, the finance, the business side of the thing is more important than ever. Uh, We've also got a a handful of former players who, and of course you need that uh, experience on a board, but what doesn't seem to be there is someone who's not from, you know, a bunch of other prominent company directorships or the football field, who goes along every week, is, you know, subject to uh, perhaps says something, you know, the the various stuff we hear out of the club and at the ground and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I I had... um, you know, sort of behind the scenes, uh, I know from the board uh, elder van Burlow. Uh, and and he said, it seems like there's a lot of things the club does where you just needed someone earlier in the process who's sort of like a sensible, ordinary person who goes, "No, hang on a sec, Wait. Are you sure you really want to do that? And it, it it's that sort of you know voice that uh, that seems to be missing. And, and of course, the communication in the other direction where there does seem to be a bit of a, a stone wall on on certain things. I think the club is getting better in that regard, but there there are certain things where we're sort of, you know, just told, just leave it with us. You know, I don't like dredging over the um, the, the Tippett uh, saga, but the line there where we kept getting told, when this all comes out, it's all right, you know, one day you'll, you'll hear the story and you'll understand, and we got told that and assured that, and then that never came. So... There's, I think there's there's room for you know voices in both directions there and, and I was hoping that that would be the kind of thing that uh, I could help facilitate I'm sure there are plenty of other people who could fill that role well um, yeah it's certainly different than uh, being you know, the the chair of bank sa or a former brownlow medalist
3: based on the way that the the contracts for the the Tippett Gate scandal broke down it sounds like I could have used a lawyer on the board
0: <laughs> yeah. Look, um, I, I think there is potentially a role there for um, a lawyer as well. I mean, we w- there's bits and pieces that I've I've now in the last week or two as well been talking a little bit with uh, Mr. Fagan. Now that I've got an ear of someone at the club, where there's a few boxes on the constitution that we've uh, that we've just sort of put in place that we haven't quite ticked off yet. Uh, that would be good just to you know, they're not going to help us with matches of football, but in terms of we just want to make sure that we're above board and everything's compliant with everything that it needs to. And there's a few things there where you can see an eye, that if someone with the right eye for that sort of thing would be quite helpful. Um, I, I didn't want to make my uh, platform for this position about me being a lawyer, because there are plenty of lawyers in Adelaide uh, who'd be plenty capable. I, I I think I took it more that, the fact that I was, you know, a qualified professional in something was evidence of the fact that I could be competent and trusted on the board in doing what I said I wanted to do, as opposed to bringing a special skill to the board in terms of legal.
3: Now, had had you had you won your won a position on on the board a seat on the board? Are there, are there growth areas for the club that you'd identified somewhere, a, a direction you would, have, you would have advocated for?
0: Are you talking uh, sort of growth areas in terms of uh, money, supporters, or anything, I suppose, is that what you're saying? Uh,
3: what would you have gone after as, as putting your, your first 90 days, what would you have added?
0: Uh, look, I think part of what I was after is almost a bit of an attitude shift rather than a specific Within the first ninety days, I want you know the club to send a survey to all members to ask what they want or something. I, I didn't have something specifically like that. It's more about this subtle attitude shift of making it you know more of a, a, a club in the traditional sense of the word that's uh, that is that it has that inclusiveness that that feels um, like you are a, a part of the journey as opposed to someone who gets to watch and pay for the privilege of coming along every now and again and having a look. Um, so. I don't know that there was anything that that I would have done in the first ninety days that you would have been able to point at and say, you know, that specific, you know, thing is is has got Dan written all over it. But um, that in terms of when the board came to make, you know, the decisions about which way to steer things to help try and steer that in directions that uh, recognised the members as being part of that team.
3: In terms of, um, I guess, looking at the process that you went through, and I, I, I guess you would have become intimately associated with the club in a way that lots of us would all, all kind of only dream of. Is there is there something that you, as a spectator, as a as a follower of the club, as a member, learned through this process that that you think that our listeners would would benefit from hearing?
0: That's uh, that's interesting. Um, it, it was, it was like you said, it was a very different feel rocking up to the AGM because I had people afterwards come up and introduce themselves, like people like um, uh, Tom Reiner, the the membership manager, um, Andrew Fagan, Nigel Smart, who you know knew who I was because I've been through this process and sort of introduced himself for a chat and stuff like that. Which so it certainly, you know, changed uh, things a bit. Whether I fade back into the background, <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, in terms of things that I've, I've learned, I mean. Aside from the, the actual club itself, part of what um, I feel like I've, I've sort of learned out of this that I didn't have before was just I had all these people come out of the woodwork and contact me outside of the club that who put forward all sorts of things that they were uh, passionate about. Just the, the, the degree of passion that I saw was really fantastic. Um, I had people somehow get my work phone number. It wouldn't have been too hard to track down. It's not. Like it was a state secret, but and and ring me up and talk my ear off about what they thought was the club needed to do. I had emails, I had tweets, I had uh, and obviously the guys on the Big Footy Forum who uh, certainly aren't shy sure and putting forward their opinion as well. Um, and I, 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 that was actually really good. Just for I don't know you. You've probably all had that thing where you know. You might be the only person in your like nook of the office who really cares that much about the footy, and sometimes you know they say, ah, oh, you get the thing like I'll give it up, you know, like well it's it's just the football, whatever. And to have all these people come along and and clearly just absolutely love it, that was actually really great um, to to get in touch with these people that I never would have had anything to do with otherwise. In terms of stuff from the club, it, w- it was interesting. I made a point of talking to. Uh, Andrew Fagan about the meetings he's been having with members because, I, I, you know, that is the kind of thing that um, I'm, you know, broadly supportive of and would have loved to have seen continue and certainly wouldn't have told him to stop doing if I'd have been elected. I think that uh, that's a great step in the right direction. And it was interesting to hear his take on those from the other side where he he sort of talked about, in essence, that there's a lot of noise in there and you have to to sort of uh, take a step back and listen for the the broader trends. You'll go to one of these meetings, and um, you he said they sort of broadly set a vague topic. Like they don't sort of dictate. Right today, we're going to talk to you all about you know the the price of hot dogs at Adelaide Oval. But they might say, like today, we're going to have a chat about the match day experience last year. How did you find it? What what went well for you, and what could we do better? he said, you get people rock up to those meetings, argue amongst themselves, because one of them loved the 19th man flag and someone's hated it and thought it was a waste of time and showed that we were, you know, a bit naff. And uh, it was just really interesting um, talking through uh, uh, some of the problems that from the outside we go, well, obviously they should do this or why don't they do this? And talking with Andrew and and Tom Rayner in particular, who's got a really tough job at the moment, trying to squeeze tons and tons of members into a finite space at Adelaide Oval, it, it was it was interesting to see the other side of that um, and hear you know that these people are sort of on the human and um, there there'll be all these you know supporters from the outside will say you should clearly just do this, but then you know you don't think about. Well we have to do this, and we're obliged to do this, and the stadium deal says we can only do you know this this and this and we don't have access until blah. and um, that was quite interesting to hear.
4: Now I know on the board there's been quite a bit of discussion about what should happen the next time a member's um, vote comes up. but from your opinion, being involved in it, what could the club do better next time to probably make the process, you know, just to improve upon it from not only the candidate's point of view, but also from the members who are voting?
0: I think it would have been really good to have seen uh, the member profiles somewhere other than behind the voting login. Um, The candidates were announced, was it the Friday and voting started on the Monday or something like that? And so there was a good few days where all we had was a list of names and, uh, and, and basically, you know, empty space to fill. Uh, one election that I looked at closely before this one was the uh, Essendon one, simply because they had nine candidates running for two spots in November last year, just like we did in February, and um, they had a PDF that was that's still available on their website that had all the member statements they and had a bit more um, sort of you know availability of that information, and I think that would have helped, especially where. It's sort of a bit lopsided uh, in terms of the profile of some of the candidates versus some of the others. The 250-word statement that everyone got to circulate to members is is pretty brief, uh, but realistically, you know, if you've got nine candidates, that you're already talking two and a half thousand words, and so I'm not quite sure that anyone wants to be bombarded with anything more than that. We've obviously talked at length on the Bigfooty forums about whether or not they should be releasing the uh, number of votes that everyone received. I would like to see that. And uh, as I've said on the forums, I made that clear to um, Andrew Fagan. He said that they probably weren't going to. I sort of then made it clearer in writing that I would really like to see that. And he, I got told, no, we are, we've we decided we are definitely not going to because we don't want to discourage anyone running again in future. I'm not sure. I mean, I think if I found out that I came third, which I don't know, I might have came ninth, but if I found out I came third, that might encourage me to run again in the future. But anyway, um, I mean, the, the process, I, I think uh, in terms of it was conducted at arm's length by the Corp vote and all that sort of stuff. So I think broadly speaking that, you know, they got that bit of it right. Um, but I would have loved to have seen, yeah, a bit more um, – uh, just ha- have that information that the candidates have already spied out there. And then um obviously it's outside the club's control, but um it would have been if that was out there, I wonder as well whether we might have seen some of the, you know, local media um pick up on a, a tiny bit more so that we got stories other than just the ones about Ruin Jammo. Um I got some good coverage but it was after the voting had closed, which was a, a bit of a shame. Anyway, um, yeah I, I the club handled it, it Relatively well. I think, I'm not quite sure then, Nikki, if you're asking the um, the question as part of yours as to whether the club could have conducted this better if certain people were uh, appointed candidates rather than elected candidates, but that, that might be a separate question again.
4: My personal opinion is that they have every right to nominate and I don't think there should be any restrictions on who can or can't apply. Um, I was just interested to to see where you were, what you thought of the process was. I I agree totally that I think the information should have come out a bit earlier, so that gives us a bit more time um, to have a look at the candidates and and to really do our due diligence if we wish to.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now that I've sort of raised that, I, I just say like I I definitely don't think there's any problem with past players running. You you certainly can't make that rule, and that. That you know, start precluding people from running because then you get into ridiculous situations, and that's the complete opposite of a democracy. In this situation, it's more just that uh, uh, it was my opinion that the board, uh, given that the board had brought Rashudo on early, um, you could see that um, it clearly wanted him there. They have a spare spot to appoint someone without putting them to the election. Um, they could have put him straight into that spot, and then we would have been talking about Jamo and seven other candidates from all sorts of backgrounds and it would have been a much more interesting race um as someone raised recently on big footy it could have been it didn't have to be a past player it could have been graham goodings or it could have been keith conlon or it could have been also any number of other candidates with name recognition um and i you, you certainly can't stop that and i think that you you never know what might happen in future years where you might find uh, a, a prominent Adelaide person or a past player who's really unhappy with the direction of the club and can use their notoriety to help, you know, steer something in in what they see to be the right direction. I, I, I note um, when we applied, obviously, we I knew that Rue would be running for one of the spots, um, and so I, you know, knew what I was getting in for there. We didn't know who else was running, um, and I happened to walk past. Jam- Rod Jamison actually works in the same building as I do in in town. And I, I happened to walk past him with someone, and I said to them two days before the voting happens, "You know what? If Chamo runs, I'm in trouble." And uh, that turned out to be quite, uh, uh, quite, quite the prophecy. But anyway,
2: Dan, can I just ask: Will you Are you encouraged now to run again, or is that uh, that the end of the line for you?
0: Uh, it's, it's certainly, I haven't decided that it's the end of the line. I haven't uh, gone. You know what? I'm definitely going to be back on this horse next year. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I, in part, you know, I had certain things that I'm looking for out of the club and we've got a, a lot of new faces there at the moment. And so I, uh, in part, I want to see how they go this year. If, if the sort of things that I was looking to be addressed all start trending in the right direction, then it might be that, you know, sort of my reason for running starts to, uh, you know, fall away to an extent. Uh, I, I'm not sure. It, it we'll see... Um, in I've had, you know, um, what, about a week now to sort of mull it over and I, I still haven't really come to a, a concrete conclusion. I'm, I I certainly don't plan on, you know, disappearing from the footy club, but whether I'm looking to unseat Rod Jamison next year, I'm not entirely sure.
1: And I'm interested in how you went about garnering support, um, given that you were not a well-known candidate in the public. Um, can you just talk briefly about your strategies? Um, we're aware of big footy. Uh, involvement obviously but what else did you do?
0: My look my key thinking was that I was running uh, against people with uh, name recognition and so my my thought was um, I just I need to get my name in front of as many other people as I can so that when they see the voting form I at least you know uh, well, who the hell is this guy? I can appreciate, though, that that can lend itself to end up being a slightly obnoxious because you're, you know, like just looking like you're looking for attention everywhere. But I, I just, against such pro- pro- high profile candidates, I don't think there was any other option other than trying to at least have your name there. Um, to me, it would seem ridiculous to put 250 words out and then leave it at that. I, I don't know that. I sort of know any other way like i'm i'm just used to being able to do things like use twitter and use make a website and stuff and so there was never any other sort of i was never going to do anything other than that i wasn't quite sure you know how involved people would get on um on various things i i went on the um the crows um sub reddit and uh the moderator there suggested that I you know, started uh, Ask Me Anything, and I got sort of half a dozen questions and answered them, and that was about it. Uh, I went to Bigfooty, and I got pages and pages and pages. Um, I, so I had the Twitter, I had the Facebook, Bigfooty, I had the Reddit. I uh, obviously had the website. That was mostly uh, – I did actually, for the sake of it, set up a Google Plus thing, and I assume that no one ever went there. One thing I did actually do, um, I set up some um, – a tiny bit, I dipped dip my toe in a tiny bit of Facebook advertising. As I said, I needed to get my name uh, so that people had seen it before when they went to vote. And and also, given that, as we heard at the AGM, that the turnout rates for voting at 20% were unusually high, so there was also the chance that someone who might not have thought to vote seeing something um, was would actually become motivated to vote and then go and vote for me. Everything tried to you know, link back to the website, I wasn't sort of trying in in advertising or tweeting whatever to trick anyone into voting for me. I was just trying to get them to think about me. You know, like if you there were a lot of people on Big Footy who'd clearly had read my stuff, decided it wasn't for them, and that's absolutely fine because I would um, much prefer that to you know someone who just blindly went on saw two names they recognised, ticked the box, and got on with it. Um, Anyway, yeah, so I I I tried. all sorts of stuff.
3: Dan, I've got one final question for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Kitchener bun or ballina? <laughs> uh, probably the ballina with the jam because it's the, the, too, too creamy otherwise sometimes with the, the kitcheners.
2: Well, Dan, I know most of the listeners uh, that are with us this evening will hate me for doing this because that has been an absolutely fascinating interview, but we uh, unfortunately need to wrap it up there. We're just a bit out of time. So just want to say on uh, behalf of the panel and behalf of uh, all of the people on the Bigfooty Adelaide board, uh, we're very, very grateful for the time you've taken tonight. We uh, we really appreciate uh, the fact that you've added some uh, credibility to the burgeoning Adelaide Bigfooty Crowcast. Um, so it's been fabulous to have you tonight, and I'm sure that all of the posters that listen to this uh, podcast will uh, will take great interest in what you've had to say.
0: No, absolutely. And, look, you guys, yeah, no, spend your time uh, talking about uh... – you know the trial on the weekend and the the one coming up next week because that's far more interesting than me. I, that's what it's really about.
2: Well, we'll also want to follow. Uh, obviously, now you'll be looking for an AFL career so that you can uh, well and truly challenge those ex players next year.
0: Yeah, Podsy's given me some hope that I could still uh, still crack the big leagues, but I'm I'm not sure that uh, it's going to come off for me. To be honest,
4: Essendon might need some need some players.
0: Absolutely. Hey, uh, actually, question without notice, Nikki, as well. Have you, uh, you, you, last week, uh, you, you know, knew the ins and outs of the S situation. You had the inside word on last week's podcast about the uh, the Adelaide, uh, who was going to be in the trial team and everything like that. Have you thought about sticking your hand up for next year's board?
4: I don't have um, experience on boards that I think would be um, applicable yet. Um, I do know that my, my father could be one that we could kind of push that way because any of my good opinions on football are actually probably mostly um, his opinions that I'm.
0: <laughs> no worries.
2: Now I'm really risking uh, I'm risking my own life now cutting across Nikki. Uh, I'll be uh, they'll have the hatches out for me on the board. So, but anyway, look, uh, thanks very much. We really really appreciate your time, Dan. That was uh, Dan Kiley, of course, the nineteenth Dan who ran for the board this year at the Adelaide AGM. Thanks again.
0: No worries. Thanks, guys.
2: All right, uh, moving along, we uh, uh, had a, uh, our first game on the weekend. It was the uh, round one of the NAB Cup. Of course, Adelaide took on the Kangaroos uh, out at, uh, well, up there at Port Lincoln. And uh, after a little bit of uh, shuffling around from the AFL, we finally got to uh, get um, a live stream. So we we're all having the opportunity to have a look. What do we think of the game, guys?
4: Overall, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I thought there were some positives. There were definitely some negatives towards the end. Um, but overall, it was a um, pretty good hit out. We didn't really have any serious injuries, and that's all what we really want to see at this point of the year.
3: Yeah, I've, I've been having a, a brief view of the stats, and there there isn't much to separate the two teams. Uh, obviously, on the scoreboard, very close in terms of scoring shots, overall score. Um, something positive that I took, despite the, the last quarter fade-out, we um, you know, got up to, I think, 53 points in front at one point, and we were never behind. So that's, that's certainly um, an improvement on last year.
2: I was uh, particularly impressed with the performance of Jared Lyons. thought he was terrific um, in the guts, and um, I, I think it was terrific also for the, the fact that he had, had that opportunity. I mean, we saw last year that when he did get an opportunity to come into the side, that he was playing across uh, that sort of half-forward position with the very, very odd run on the ball when really... His strength is in uh, and around the, the clearances, and uh, it was just great to see him afforded. You know, I reckon he was in just about every every clearance for every centre clearance for the uh, for the first three quarters.
1: Certainly going to be interesting with a couple of midfield inclusions next time around with Danger and that. Whether um, Jared gets as much time, or is using the same role, or or whether that was basically an audition for him to be in the second or third rotations for the mids uh, coming off the bench.
3: Yeah, is this going to be the year that we see the emergence of Brad Crouch? Uh, game high, 26 possessions this
4: week? He did have some shocking handballs that um, normally he's so good at, and I kind of wanted to smack him a couple of times with some of those. But, but there was some, yeah, just some stunning little things every so often. And I think um, in the third quarter there's a... A clearance and I'm going who was that running so fast and it was actually Crouch when I went back and had a look.
3: Speaking of fast how about bets four goals and uh, playing like a midfielder in the forward?
4: Wasn't it five goals?
2: No uh, there's nothing get past nothing gets past you at all Nicky. should have been should have definitely been five goals if the uh, if that game was played again next weekend it's five goals for sure.
4: Well that means because the AFL has actually changed the rule the rule actually is that no that wasn't a goal and I'm quite happy that it's not a goal because that's the rule. Um. But the AFL has said that if it was in the main season, it would be a goal. So they're going to change the rules again.
1: Yeah, Campbell came out and said common sense should prevail. And, you know, if nothing else, at least it's, it's positive that it seems that there's a couple of guys in the AFL house now that aren't afraid to, you know, see reason and just go, no, well, that's stupid and, and make a change.
2: What do we think of Keenan Ramsey, folks? Uh, Somebody posted today that they thought it was the most overhyped seven possession uh, four-mark game they've ever seen. Um, Personally, I was particularly impressed with the way that he moved, and and he just looked like uh, very, very comfortable uh, at the level, like he'd been there for some time.
4: Really good hands on him under pressure. Uh, One take, clunk, and that's what you want with um, somebody's either playing forward or back. So that was quite pleasing for me to see.
1: I thought what he did, he did really well. Um, Young lad, certainly good signs, uh, whether he slots in at all this year, who knows, but he certainly looks like he's a player in the making.
2: Have we heard anything about Tom Lynch, how he pulled up after his uh, his incident?
1: He was ducking all the questions, apparently. Fair to say he's got a bit of a headache.
4: Oh, you guys are funny.
2: It's a fair issue, though, isn't it, for him? I mean, he really does tend to duck his head and uh, he, he really exposes himself to some serious injury, don't you think?
4: He used to do... I remember seeing him do it early on in his career that he'd do that little duck and he'd slip under the arm, pop up and be able to get away. So it's obviously something he's... Done ever since he was a junior, so it's just so ingrained. But now with the way that players are, are running in and, and then kind of pulling up to not hit, etc., yeah, he's going to have to try to unlearn that skill, which is really hard to do.
3: I mean, it's interesting with with the way that the AFL is is going on about protecting the head. You you would think that he would be getting a bit more protection, um, but I don't know. I don't know if he's the unluckiest player in in the history of the Adelaide Football Club or if, if it's really just about the way he plays and he puts himself in unnecessary danger?
1: No, it's it's technique. I mean, he doesn't duck. He doesn't uh, hit Zeebel's hip. It's as simple as that. Um, certainly the one last year where he, where he got shirt-fronted by Viney, um, that was unfortunate. Um, but he does do things to put himself in, in positions that he shouldn't really be in.
2: Yeah, very unfortunate there for Tom Lynch. Uh, just uh, moving onwards, uh, how did we see the performance of the coach for Walsh?
1: I was interested
3: um, to, to try and figure out what happened in the last quarter because clearly, yeah, what was it, 39 points to one? Um, now, I, I was wondering if that was a, a deliberate um, strategy by Phil to just pull off the talent, or was it the old, the old 2014 crow, crow drop, last quarter drop?
4: He was making a lot of changes, I noticed. People were being moved around a, a lot from what we could see on what they were showing um, on, that, um, on the telecast. But he was also really not happy in the, the talk afterwards. So we'll see what happens next week um, and see if there is another little fade out, whether it is um, something that is held over or or whether they've put something in place to stop
1: it. The thing that I noticed about that last quarter is that there didn't seem to be any, like Phil mentioned in the conference that there were a couple of people trying to make changes on the field, but I didn't really notice anything that we did to try and stop their momentum. So I don't know whether that was just, you know, rhetoric or or whether what we did try just didn't work.
4: I'd noticed we'd been um, quite good at stopping that. Um, in, the, in the stoppages where they have the one loose player behind the ball, and that you, that killed us last year. We always used to why isn't somebody manning up on him? That we'd have somebody that was off of them a little bit, but as soon as it got to them, we closed them down very quickly. That seemed to stop in the last quarter. How
3: do you how do you rate um, the way that Podziarz is being used? Do you think the the way that he's being sent forward and back in in terms of you know tactically is that is that a wise use of of a what is he thirty four? thirty four year old.
4: He's a very fit thirty four year old. Um, and he's also got quite a good footy brain and a really good pair of hands. I mean, his contested marking is great, so that is beneficial down in the back lines.
1: I think it'll be all about structure for pod. Obviously Jenkins was in the ruck, which he won't normally be for that amount of time. Um, we didn't have Chaney, so we lacked a um, you know a mid-sized defender. I think it's going to come down to horses for courses with Potty Adley.
4: Yeah, he's a he's a really good depth player to have.
3: So I noticed with Taylor Walker, he was roaming up the flanks quite a lot and he seemed more keen on setting up goals rather than just striking them himself. Um, I think as a as a captain, I think he's going to do very well.
1: Our forward structure was really interesting, actually. We had our smalls playing deep more often than not and playing two sort of marking lead-ups. We didn't, if anything, we had the... Um, the second string tools dropping back with Eddie, um, but we didn't have that tall presence deep. We were certainly playing high.
2: Did anybody uh, notice the uh, the kick of Riley O'Brien? He um, had a fairly bad kick for goal, I think. He had quite a good game, but my podcast, sorry podcast, when I'm talking about, my str- uh, live stream dropped out, unfortunately. Did anybody see that kick for goal? Apparently it was one of the worst of all time.
4: It did a rotation before it hit his foot. Was it Ian Perry-esque? No, Perry get, got a better um, helicopter spin on it.
2: If we've even got pairs in the same conversation here, we've got some serious kicking problems.
4: He was interviewed after the game about it, and he said that um, he was. You could tell, particularly in the last quarter, how tired he was. His his legs were so sore, and when he was doing that line up for goal, he was thinking about too many other things, and that was kind of distracting him. So his ball drop, he knew was horrible, and he and his own in his own words, it was. I need to go back to training and fix that.
0: Uh,
2: yeah, indeed he, indeed he should by the sounds of it. So going around uh, the guys, uh, folks, what do, we, what do we say for um, an out of 10 for the, for the trial game? How do we think we went out of 10?
1: I'd say a seven. You know, last quarter probably knocks a point off of that, but it was pretty good for a first hit out.
4: Yeah, i vote for a Van Burley.
3: Ten individual goal scorers. Uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. And it, as you say, it's a trial game. So we were and we're really trialling where we're going to play this season.
2: Yeah, I tend to be with uh, with both Phoenix and Nikki there. I think it was worth a seven out of ten. I thought the first three quarters were terrific, and uh, just let down a little bit by that last quarter. All right. Well, look. Uh, uh, thanks for your thoughts there, guys. That uh, that wraps up the the review of uh, of the big game on the weekend. Nikki, I'm just going to throw to you. We uh, had a little bit of a chat off air about. Um, some anecdotes you've got from the AGM for us and uh, perhaps you'd like to share that with the listeners.
0: Yeah,
4: one of the things that's been said, we, we all kind of talk about how much of a hard nut Walsh is, but everybody else um, in the club has always been keen to point out that he's got quite this little wicked sense of humour and we've started to see that a little bit, but it really did come to the floor at the AGM. He was introducing the players and when he brought them up, Um, and he brought them up into groups. So we had the trader players, then we had the draftees, and then we had the rookies. And before he brought them all up, he he said that one of the things he asked for was height, which we would notice um, from the recruiters, but he also wanted characters. And the first thing that when the players got to the club He asked them, what are you famous for? And so when Cheney and Loudon came up, he got them to tell us what they had told Walshie. So for Cheney, um, he's the only redhead who can tan, apparently. Luke wasn't a little bit too sure, but then Walshie piped up that you love your dogs. And he apparently owns two Dutch hounds. Um, Luke told us that Walshie refers to them as ferrets with legs. And Also, that if anybody's driving past Seaview Road down Henley Beachway to look out for the two little dash hounds and not to run them over because Luke really loves his dog. When the draftees were then um, brought up, they they had to nominate – Cheney had to nominate two. He nominated McGovern and Deer. I've never seen a person go as red as Deer did. He's a very shy boy apparently. Um, McGovern is most famous for giving an interview on TV, missing his front teeth after they got knocked out during a game. And Deer being so famous that all all he could actually say was that he's most famous for being Paul Deer's son. At this point, when the rookies were called up, it looked like they wouldn't quite fit on stage. So Kyle went to walk off. she's leaned over and admonished him that Kyle, team first around here, and made him get back up, which was um, quite amusing. But I think the best one was they nominated Keenan. And... He was most famous for, as he said, only having one eye. But what we didn't know was that his first day at the club, he told the boys all about it and then he took his eye out to show them. And apparently that freaked most of the boys out and they've asked to never see that happen again. Um, But Keenan did promise not to um, show us that. So that was kind of funny. But yeah, well, it was quite funny. He's very quick-witted. Um, I found, and I also discovered after the fact, he has a very, very, very firm handshake because I did get to shake the man's hand.
3: It's it's good to know that he's got a sense of humour because we've had had the club on lockdown. He's got that very stern-looking face. It's nice to know that it's not all business. It it needs to be, a lot of it needs to be business, but it's nice to know that he's not going to lose the players the way maybe someone like Neil Craig did where it was just all about work.
4: There was a lot of banter back and forth between him and the boys, and so you could see that there was this real kind of respect going on. I kind of liken him to that that teacher that you voluntarily called Sir, so you know there's that respect, but you also can have a joke with them.
1: He's very much a man's man, and I think that's what we need at the club.
4: Oh, definitely, and it was great to see.
2: Thanks very much, Nicky, for that uh, information. It's always really good to hear some of the uh, behind-the-scenes stories of the place, and uh, I'm sure that uh, everybody appreciates that kind of that kind of information because we just don't normally uh, normally get that. All right, um, uh, just about ready to close up this evening, but uh, before we do, um, Specious, you want to have a shout-out to the Collingwood Board, and this is a, a fantastic story for everyone to hear.
3: Yeah, thanks, Pete. Look, um, I, my wife and I um, are fostering two girls at the moment. One's 18 months old, the other's six. With the 18 month old I've still got time but the six-year-old is a little die-hard Collingwood supporter so I went on the uh, I went on the pies board I just said look guys has anyone got any any second-hand scarf a hand-me-down jumper, or something like that that I can give her because you know she she's really keen and and I obviously don't have any any black and white in the house so I got um, you know went to sleep and back in the morning and was just flooded with with resp- sponsors and over there they've been incredibly generous they've uh hooked her up with a brand new jumper someone got in touch with the club got tickets for the whole year so i'm gonna end up having to go to bloody collingwood games but um and and they've also they've also all chipped in and and have bought her an ipad for school which is you know beyond generous it's just fantastic so the threads over on their on their board if you want to go and have a look there's a few photos on there just wanted to say a big thank
1: you to those guys that's fantastic.
4: Yeah, I've had a quick look, and it's just absolutely amazing. That's what I love about forums like the one that we're on. There's a real sense of community that um, that just happens.
2: That's an unbelievable story, Specious, and uh, thanks very much for sharing that with us. And uh, just uh, just amazing that uh, you know, out of uh, just a forum and internet forum, you can get that that kind of support. It's brilliant. All right. Well, look, uh, I'm going to uh, we'll wrap it up there. And uh, thanks very much for being part of the show tonight, to uh, Specious, Phoenix, Nikki, WFL, and Red Mist. And also, we just want to say a huge thanks once again to uh, to Dan Kylie for uh, for giving us his time tonight and giving us a, a really interesting interview. Looking forward to next week, we'll have a uh, obviously a preview of the big game against Geelong, and um, hopefully, uh, with uh, his effort on getting uh, Dan in tonight, uh, Phoenix will be able to work on Gillan McLaughlin, and uh, specious can work on. Um, on fags and uh, we can get a, a similar kind of interview but uh, that's all for us uh, tonight folks uh, thanks very much for listening we look forward to catching up with you again next week on the adelaide big footy crow car all
0: right, boys
1: representing the club for the first time this year don't forget tomb first culture we the rooms in 10
0: minutes.
1: Oi, Campo, where's the boys, mate? Oh, oh gee, Walshie, uh, they're still on the bus, mate. What the... Oh. Tex! Tex! What the bloody hell's going on, mate? Oh, Walshie. This is Team First Culture mate. We don't know how to get off the bus because we don't all fit out at the same time. Oh. Jeez campo. It's gonna be a long year, mate. This has been Crowcast brought to you by Casmara Event Technologies for all your live audio and studio recording needs. See you at the footy.